Uh, this is a great story from Nick Burchill from just three months ago where he was recognized as perhaps the worst hotel guest of all time. 17 years ago, he went to Fairmont Hotel in Nova Scotia and he was going to surprise some friends and he brought a suitcase full of bacon from the United States. And when he got to the hotel, he took out the bacon and laid it out on the windowsill and thought he would preserve it better with the cool air while he left to spend the day with his friends. When he came back later that day, his hotel room was filled with about 40 seagulls who were eating the bacon and there were feathers everywhere. And when he went into the room, they all started to fly around and it caused more damage to the room as they were breaking things and feathers were everywhere. The hotel staff came in, they were furious and he was thrown out of the hotel and they wrote up an official letter that he was banned for life. Well, that was 17 years ago and this year he wrote a letter to the hotel and he went back and he shared with them, you know, I'm sorry about what happened. I've been thinking about this for years. You know, I made a big mistake, very irresponsible, and I just want to apologize. And the staff thought it was a joke, some kind of prank show, but they looked up the records and sure enough, there was a letter where Nick Bircher was banned for life. They had a good laugh about it. They said, you're no longer banned, allowed him to stay there. Very interesting story about the, the burdens, even as silly as this one, that maybe people carry for many years. With that thought, keep in mind these two people, John and Betty Stam. This is 1925. They're missionaries getting ready to start sharing the gospel in China in 1925. They wanted to share with people that they don't have to carry burdens, not for 17 years, not for a day, that they can know the gospel of Christ and be forgiven in a moment. And Betty wrote this, 1925, Lord, I give up my own purposes and plans, my desires, hopes, ambitions. I accept thy will for my life. I give myself, my life, my all utterly to thee, to being thine forever. I hand over to thy keeping. All my friendships, may all the people I love take second place in my heart. Fill me, seal me with thy Holy Spirit. Work out thy whole will in my life at any cost, now and forever. For to me to live is Christ. Amen. We'll come back to their story in just a moment because what happens next literally changed the world. Ephesians 2.13, Paul says, In Christ you who were once far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Far away means lost, separated from God, not knowing the gospel, sin separating us. Once we were all far away, brought near to God by the blood of Christ. Blood has always been a fascinating subject. And when you look at it from a scientific standpoint, it's estimated we have 50 to 100 trillion cells in our body. Now, red blood cells carry oxygen, throughout the body takes 30 seconds for blood to circulate through the body and red blood cells carry the oxygen so truly life is in the blood you can't live without oxygen roughly 200 billion cells are replaced every day because red blood cells live about four months life scripture says is where in the blood all the way going back to Genesis Leviticus 
when people talked about the sacrifices that were offered. Hebrews 9.18 says the first covenant was not put into effect without blood. The idea behind the, the blood picture, the sacrifices, is that there is a covenant that is being made. And the blood represents that this covenant is something I will give my life for. It also would represent that when they brought a sacrifice, say a dove or a lamb to the temple, there was blood that was shed and the person would recognize my sin has great cost. Fascinating thing is David Livingston, the well-known missionary in Africa in the 1800s, talked about one of the surprising things was traveling to different parts of Africa to people that had no contact with each other. And he said, I would witness covenants being made very similar to what all of us have seen. You know, when a tribe would make a peace treaty with another covenant, with another tribe, they'd have this covenant. A covenant is a lifelong commitment that both sides agree to lay down their lives to keep. And he said, you know, I'd see tribes and they would do very similar things that we do in the Western society. They might make a small cut on the palm and then the two people shake hands or they would grasp arms and they would tie their arms together as they made that covenant. They might make a small incision on the cheek, put, finger, put their finger on the blood and then make the covenant with that. It's always been understood that blood makes things a very serious commitment when we talk about a covenant, especially a one that is considered a blood covenant. And so Paul says, by the blood of Christ, the covenant with God is sealed. The covenant, what? That all the promises are yes and amen in Christ. We need to know those promises, thousands of them in scripture, and claim them and say, because of Jesus, I now am a joint heir in him. Covenant promises to rescue the lost, to bring forgiveness, to bring healing, to open up the doors of heaven so we can boldly enter into the throne room by what? Christ's blood shed for us. This brings us back to 1934 in China. John and Betty Stam, nine years, missionaries. There was a different group that took over the government. They arrested all the missionaries and they were given the death penalty. Big thing was John and Betty now had a four-month-old baby named Helen. As they were being marched to where they would be executed, somebody said to John, where are you going? He said, I'm on my way to heaven. A farmer looked at the soldiers and said, the baby has done nothing wrong. And the soldier said, well, you have a choice. Either the baby dies or you can take the baby's place. The farmer did so. And along with John and Betty, he was martyred that day. The baby, Helen, was then protected. Why? Because somebody else gave their life on her behalf. She was adopted eventually taken to the States where she grew up in a quiet life of servitude. But the story does not end there. That was 1935. This is 1935. 900 students in 12 months committed their lives to be missionaries in honor of the Stam's sacrifice. Chinese periodical wrote this in 1935. 
It has been a long time since any event connected with the mission field has made so wide and profound an impression on this country. We believe John and Betty Stam may be, by their death, more better spoken than even by their brief lives of devoted service. Let no one call this ending of their career a tragedy. In reality, it is a triumph. Ephesians 2.13 again. And in Christ, you who were once far away have been brought near. How? By the blood of Christ. Scripture says that God will work all things towards good. So it is in Betty and John Stam's sacrifice that countless lives were changed. Charles Swindoll shares a story about a minister in a small town. He falls in love with this woman who was well known in the town for some very public sins. The people challenged the minister and said, you know, you have somewhat of a public position and her past is well known in town. We suggest you reconsider this marriage. And here's what this man said. My fiance is not on trial. What is on trial is the blood of Jesus. Does he cleanse us from all sin? or not. The people wept, apologized, repented, and these two were married in a great celebration. Hebrews 9.14 How much more will the blood of Christ, through the eternal Spirit, who offered Himself without blemish to God, purify our conscience from dead works to serve the living God? Paul here in Hebrews says that the blood of Christ purifies our conscience. What do people really want? Peace of mind. How do you have peace of mind? Knowing that he has, by his blood, completed the covenant on our behalf. You don't even have to carry, and you should not carry, the guilt of sin that has been cleansed and washed away. doesn't mean that we're perfect. It does mean that his sacrifice is perfect. And now when we sin, it is quickly forgiven. As we pray for that forgiveness, even our conscience clean. No more guilt, no more burden, nothing to carry for 17 years, 17 minutes. Just for a moment even, you bring that sin to Christ and he purifies our conscience. That is the blood of Christ. Maxwell White, early 1900s, wrote this. A minister friend of mine contracted tomain poisoning. Today we call it food poisoning. He placed his hands on his body and said, I plead the blood of Jesus. In 20 minutes, he was healed. It is the simple offering of faith, acknowledging that we know what his blood has accomplished. God will hear and respect that which he has purchased for us. That is faith, that God will hear and respect that which he purchased for you, for me. What has he purchased again? Countless promises in scripture, our redemption, our holiness, our peace of mind, our forgiveness, our eternal life, all these. Why do we know the seriousness of that covenant, any covenant, Cut in blood is a commitment to die on behalf of that contract. Jesus laid down his life, took it back up again. His blood then becomes our cleansing. 
Again, Hebrews 9.14, the writer here, Paul, says, How much more the blood of Christ? What is the how much more that he means there? He's talking about in this context, people have tried to follow the Old Testament law. They have tried religion, countless other things, and they have some success with that. And he says, if you have success with your own feeble efforts, how small that success even is, how much more, eternally, infinitely more, does the blood of Christ accomplish what we cannot accomplish by our own trying harder or willpower? The how much more, you notice, is that he saves us, purifies our conscience, and then to do what? To serve God. My challenge for each of us is to say the covenant has been cut on our behalf, Christ kept the whole covenant on our behalf at the price of his blood that we might then serve. So the real challenge is to say what different standard will we have this week in how we follow Jesus, how we treat other people, how we make choices to turn from sin, how we pray one for another how we dig deeper into the promises so that we can know what those promises are and then declare our rightful inheritance in that by saying, that is my right. Because scripture declares it and Jesus paid the price and I know that God respects that which he purchased on my behalf. As Jesus said, yet behind me, Satan. What does it take to simply walk in that victory? A day-to-day consciousness that what? His blood perfected each of us in his own work so that we can then serve in his strength. You don't have peace of mind? I would encourage you strongly to consider the words in Scripture. His blood cleanses our conscience. It doesn't matter if it's something you've done in the last week, a fear you have that lies before you, something you've carried for years. Simply bring that to Christ in faith and say, I know your blood was shed for me. I know that that purchase was for all the promises of God to be yes and amen in my life. So in faith, I declare that, believe that, speak that, confess that claim that right and when the enemy comes along to try to steal that joy get behind me satan this covenant's already been bought and paid for in jesus <clears throat> this is charles finney 1800s well-known evangelist part of the great awakening where not just communities were changed but the entire nation was changed as God brought revival to numerous lives. Lives that were broken, healed, people far away, brought near through the blood of Christ. And Charles Finney was a part of these revivals and wrote books about that. And this is something that happened in his life. And I'll just read the words that were written here by Alan Carr. In Detroit, Michigan, the well-known evangelist, Dr. Charles Finney, preached on this text, 1 John 1, 7. The blood of Jesus, God's Son, cleanses us from all sin. 
After the service, a stranger asked Dr. Finney to meet. Some of the church members knew this man and advised Dr. Finney not to go with him, but he went anyway. The man said to Finney, we're in the back of a saloon. I am the sole proprietor. Mothers come in here, lay their babies on the counter and beg me not to sell liquor to their husbands. I turn a deaf ear to their cries. We see to it that the man leaves here well under the influence. More than one night, a man has left here and was killed by the express train at the tracks. Dr. Finney, tell me, can God forgive a man like me? Dr. Finney replied, I have but one authority, the word of God which says the blood of Jesus Christ, God's son, cleanses us from all sin. The man continued, in another room, we run a gambling hall. If a man doesn't spend all his money on liquor, we bring him back here with marked cards. We see to it he is fleeced out of his last dollar. We send him home penniless to a hungry family. Dr. Finney, I'm sole owner of this gambling hall. Tell me honestly, can God forgive a man with a heart like that? Again, Dr. Finney replied, I have but one authority, the word of God, which says the blood of Jesus Christ, God's son, cleanses us from all sin. The man continued, that's not all. Across the street is my home. There lives my wife and little daughter. Neither has had a kind word from me for five years. Their bodies bear the marks of my brutal attacks. Dr. Finney, do you think God could forgive a man with a heart like that? Finney replied, I still have only one authority, which says the blood of Jesus Christ, God's son, cleanses us from all sin. The man then opened the door, escorted the preacher out into the night, never left the room, until the sun rose. But before it did, he ripped up the decks of cards, poured out the contents of the bottles down the drain, crossed the road to his home, and sat in his living room quietly. When morning came, his girl stood at the door and said, Daddy, Mother says breakfast is ready. When he answered his little girl kindly, she ran back to her mother and said, Something is the matter. The mother followed her little girl into the living room and her husband motioned that they come closer. He explained to their amazement how they had a new husband and a new dad. He gave his life to Christ and became a leader in the very church where Finney had preached. When asked to tell how his life was changed, he would simply reply, I have only one thing to say. The blood of Jesus Christ, God's son, cleanses us from all sin. May we have a different standard this week in our commitments, in our obedience to God. His blood cleanses us to serve and to walk in victory by the faith of the Son of God who now liveth in you, Paul says. If you carry a burden, bring it before him and proclaim the power in the blood of Christ. And know that the covenant he has between us and him, he laid down his life to keep it. That in him, we might know that life is truly in the blood. 